So the first half of the message is going to be gone the first 15 or 20 minutes. I'll try to come back and redo it at another time. Uh, when we were talking about peace to peace at the beginning of chapter 57, 19, the different versions of what that peace would be and that prophet Isaiah was not only talking to Judah's restoration from the time in captivity in Babylon, but it was a more futuristic outlook of the church in the latter days because of the second half of the verse, what it says, but and the universality of that, it says, but the whole strand of the passage also shows that the prophet had a more general truth in his view and that he refers to that peace which would diffuse joy among all who were far off and those who were near. Paul alludes to this in his passage in the book of Ephesians, second chapter, the 14th and 17th verse. He says, for he is our peace who had made both one and had broken down the mill wall of petition between us, uh, having abolished in his flesh the enmity in the law of commandments contained in ordinances. And so this is the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. It wasn't doing away with the law. It was the separation of the people, the ordinances contained in the law, the sacrifices. And I think I alluded to in the book of Hosea 14 and 2, where it says the sacrifice of bulls or whatever, but we would be sacrificing him the fruit of praise of our lips, of praise and thanksgiving unto him. It would change it that we would glorify him in going about alluding to what Christ has done for us and that that was the peace, the great calm that he had given us. It says, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them that were nigh. So that's an allusion back to what was said in Isaiah 57 and 19 about him bringing this great peace to those that were near the Jews, Israel, those people that were going to Babylon, but it would also be to the Gentiles, those that were far off, because he was going to be a light unto the Gentiles. He's the Prince of Peace, and he's going to bring peace, his peace to all men, which would be a peace coming through his spirit to those that he would be with. For In uh, the Amplified reads, it says, For he himself is our peace and our bond of unity. That is, Christ is. He's our peace. And at one time it says that God's going to take peace away from the world. Yes. Now, if I can't recuperate the recording out of what, what we were doing out of your phone, then I'll come back and I'll put an introductory heading to this chapter, or to this recording. Uh, so... The Amplified says, For he himself is our peace and our bond of unity. He who made both groups, that is the Jews and Gentiles, into one body and broke down the barrier, the dividing walls of spiritual antagonism between us by abolishing in his own crucified flesh the hostility caused by the law with its commandments contained in ordinances which he satisfied those ordinances, so he fulfilled the law. He was our sin substitute. So Christ abolished the enmity between the two. He brought about this healing to where he can heal man, reconcile both back to God. And so it's a repentant people that he's looking for to accomplish the purpose in which he set forward to do. It says, so that in he, in himself he might make the two into one new man, one new creation in Christ Jesus, the second man, the second Adam. In other words, spiritual, as he is being made in his likeness, in his image. Not in that likeness and image of Adam, the man that's condemned, 
but in the image of Jesus Christ. And it says, let us make man in our image. So this is still a spiritual union whereby God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son, Jesus Christ, would, along with us, would be making man in God's image because this is a joint effort. He's making all one. He's reconciling us back to God. We can go to God. We can boldly approach the throne of grace. He had given us his peace, his contentment, his at oneness. It says that he might make the two into one new man, thereby establishing peace. And I'll tell you, the gospel establishes us in the word of God, but it's an establishment of peace, and that's part of the fruit of the spirit that that, that spirit is producing in us. He had given us peace, peace, great peace. He says, uh, and that he might reconcile them both, that is, Jew and Gentile united in one body to God through the cross, thereby putting to death the hostility. And he came and preached the good news of peace to you, to the Gentiles who were far away and peace to the Jews who were near. Mm-hmm. So by that cross, we, that enmity is removed. You remember, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Right. Flesh and blood cannot do these things, so we have to die to self. We have to be made in his image and his likeness. Now, let me go ahead and read the living, since I'm here and may not unite these two passages. He says, For Christ himself is our way of peace. He has made peace between us Jews and you Gentiles by making us all one family, breaking down the wall of contempt that used to separate us. By his death, he ended the angry resentment between us caused by the Jewish laws that favored the Jews and excluded the Gentiles. There's no more clean and unclean. We're all one people, one flesh. He says, for he died to annul that whole system of Jewish laws. Then he took the two groups that had been opposed to each other and made them parts of himself. Thus he fused us together to become one new person, and at last there was peace. So there is a way to world peace, but it's the new heaven and new earth. It's to us that are in Christ Jesus. There's a work that he's doing here. As parts of the same body, our anger against each other has disappeared. That's why he comes and says, love you one another, even love your enemy. So greater love, that's what's conquering, is the love of Jesus Christ, of his spirit in us, working that shed abroad. He says, for both of us have been reconciled to God, and so the feud ended at last at the cross. And he has brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who are very far away from him. So Paul, being the apostle to the Gentiles, is bringing this message mainly to Gentile or Gentile or audiences, and that Peter went to the Jews, the other apostle went, but Paul was known as the apostle to the Gentiles. He's bringing them this good news, yeah. the gospel, that Jesus Christ died for us all. So he's not just their Messiah. He's all of ours. He's all of us. He's the king of kings. He's the prince of peace for us. Thus understood the more general references to peace, which the Messiah would introduce and which would lay the foundation for universal rejoicing and praise. And you want to compare in your notes there to Isaiah 2 and 4 and Isaiah 9 and 5, what those two statements says. In the Wesley Bible commentary, uh, the 57th chapter in the 19th verse says, I create, I will by my almighty power produce peace. That peace which is not wrought by men's hands, but only by God's lips of his word. So that's what Jesus Christ came and did. The doubling of the word signifies the certainty and the abundance of this peace. Fall off to the Gentiles who are far off from God as well as to the Jews. Now there's also Clark's Bible commentary on this verse. It says, God creates this fruit of the lips by giving new subject and cause of thanksgiving 
by his mercies conferred on those among his people who acknowledge and bewail their transgressions and return to him. Remember, I was telling you about the life I had lived and some of the stumbling that I had did. His word, the gospel convicts us. Yes. It's a mirror to show us where we have failed, where we start stumble at. That's why it says he was a light unto the Gentiles. And one of the word I told you would cause stumbling, or which is what stumble, a metaphor of darkness, that we were in darkness, the spirits that were in prison. We didn't have the word of God. So he came and give us the light of his word. His word is a light unto us. It's a lamp unto our path. It shows us, us the way. And uh, that one version that I read, it says, the way of peace we had not known, but we know that through his word, if we know and obey and walk in his word and obedient unto him and delight in his word, that we shall not stumble. Right. It pro- it removes the stumbling. It's no longer our lives or what we were has been moved. It says cast up, cast away the stumbling block. So all of the doctrine, all of the darkness we were, Jesus Christ came and he became a light to all men. He's the light of the world. Mm -hmm. The great subject of, of thanksgiving is peace, reconciliation, and pardon offered to them that are nigh and to them that are far off, not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles, as St. Paul more than once applies those terms. Ephesians, I told you, 2.13 through 17 and Acts 2.39. Peace is promised to the believers. And this is relying on God's word, trusting in his word, and that's what it comes to those that trust in him. In, in Christ only, not in themselves, not in no works, anything. This is wrought by Jesus Christ. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one that's completing us. It's the gift of God. Psalms 29 and 11 says, The Lord will give unyielding and impenetrable strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Yes. And we know the only way to get things done is to be at peace. Peace builds the house of God. All of those things I alluded to in the beginning of the message, it takes away from accomplishing me, accomplishing the things that God had set forth for us to do. And that's why I say, I'm sorry that I missed that portion of the recording, but I'll try to get it back or label it in such a way or redo it to where we'll it'll reunite with this. Yes. Abundant. Peace promised to believe us abundant peace, not just peace, but that double peace. Peace, he says. Psalms 116 and 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So here Cornelius is able to, the ones that used to give alms to God, and they sent Peter to preach unto him. Peter was preached, and he seen that you shouldn't call anything God had cleansed unclean. He had that vision of the sheep. Well, it was a vision with food and animals in it, but it was referring to the Gentiles and to Cornelius, whom home he was sent to. So it says in the Amplified Version, those who love your law have great peace. Nothing makes them stumble. So if we have God's word, we hold on to the word, if we completely and totally into that word, nothing can cause us to stumble, nothing that can make us ashamed is impenetrable. It says, those who love your laws have great peace of heart and mind and do not stumble, of heart and mind. So that's what I say. It's not just an absence of conflict. But it's a quietness that quietens the inner man. That in situations of peace is is not a lack of not doing something. It's the ability to be able to do something while waiting. Yes. Perfect peace. Perfect peace. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. 
So part of the word, it says, those that meditate in his word day and night, consistently, those are the ones that he grants perfect peace. The meditation is in God's word. He hides his law within his heart so he won't sin against God. You will, he says in the Amplified, it says, you will keep in perfect and constant peace the one whose mind is steadfast, that he is committed and focused on you. When Peter took his focus off Jesus, he started to sink. You have to keep your eyes focused on him. He's the prize. Keep your eyes on the prize. In both inclination and Character. You have to do it because you trust in him and focus on him, both in the inclinations and of the character has to be toward Jesus because he trusts and takes as refuge in you. That is, with hope and confident expectation, nothing is dull or down or hundred because what we know as we're meditating in the Word, no matter what the circumstances bring about, no matter what's going on in our lives, we're knowing that all things work together for good for those that work the Lord. So if you spend 13 years in prison as Joseph did, Joseph did give up hope in the promise of God that one day that his brothers and family would bow before him in the promises of God. So God gives you a view, and what we have to do is work and have faith and believe, fulfilling and trusting in his word until we start seeing this from his perspective, and all of these blessings will come up to us. He'll restore us. That peace would be like a river. You know how a river flows, abundance of peace. Isaiah 48, 18 says, Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace and prosperity would have been like a flowing river, and your righteousness, the holiness and purity of the nation, like the abundant waves of the sea. So as, as us, as a people, a lot of people are talking about make America great again or whatever. The problem was that we had false doctrine intertwined into that. America had disparities in it. We still see some of the racial divides. We still see some of the civil divides. We still see some of the class divides. We still see different people groups, social economics. We see social injustices. Those are seeing that we're not keeping our eye on the word of God and being a doer of the word of God. Amen. And as we talked about Esau yesterday, sometimes even though we're enjoying physical blessings, that does not mean that godliness is gained because sometimes God's people will be oppressed or will suffer, but it's a purpose and a reason in it. We should ask God for wisdom and understanding as to why, what the purpose is. Yes, yes, yes. It's a legacy of Christ. He leaves us peace as a legacy. A legacy is something that you leave behind for others. John 14 and 27 says, peace I leave with you. Mm. No man can take that. I leave peace with you. My peace I give unto you, and not as the world give it, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So if you let him, things impinge up, impinge up on that faith, up on that peace, there's something wrong with your spiritual looking unto Jesus. It's a spiritual problem there. Because he had not given us a spirit of fear. He says in the Amplified, peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. As Daniel was in the lion's den, you never stop dwelling in the Lord and being in his presence because you know he says he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. John 16 and 33 says, I have told you 
All this so that you will have peace of heart and mind. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but cheer up, for I have overcome the world. Mm -hmm. If we have to take that to heart, in the prosperity churches, the word of faith churches, this doesn't play as well as it does in some of the churches where the gospel is being preached and and different parts of maybe Africa, third world nations and things are right here in this in this state, in this nation. There are pockets that see there's a problem with Christianity. There's a problem within it, and that is not a sincerity and a turning to God. Notice that this is built up on repentance and seeing that you have transgressed God realizing that self has to die to pick up our cross to follow after him. So it says in the Amplified, I have told you these things so that in me you you may have peace. That is, in him, not in the world, but in him you have perfect peace. In the world you'll have tribulation and distress and suffering, but he and be courageous, be courageous as he was, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy, because he give you a joy that the world can't take it away, and that's a different joy than the world gives. It's not just an emotion, it's an inner serenity, an inner peace. He says, I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished, my victory abiding. So if if he was our substitute, what he has done as an example, we can do through him because he said that he would be in us, that we would be sitting in heavenly places. So it's Christ in me, it's Jesus in me, both that work it both to will and to do. It's him doing the work. It's him that's growing. It's him that's growing strong. But we must feed him. We must feed him with the word of God. We must trust and have faith in him when things don't look like they're going right also. Because we're walking by faith and not by sight. It passes all understanding. This is a peace. That's why I said we have to focus up on this verse when he says, Peace, peace be unto them. And that he had loosened the bonds. He had removed the stumbling box. In other words, there's a pathway. There's a way open. It's a way of peace. So these Christian nationalists that talk about violence and vitriol and not being civil are not walking in the way of the Lord. That's going to take away your peace. Those things, the peace of God, pass it all understanding. Philippians 4 and 7 says, And the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that's peace. It transcends all understanding. That peace stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's yours. It's yours. That's what he gave you. Not the peace that a lot of people are advocating. Those are antichrists or false prophets That'll cause you to stumble. Don't allow Jesus to become a stumbling block. He was asking about stumbling blocks. Could Jesus be a stumbling block to Peter? No, he wasn't to Peter in the sense that Peter allowed himself to stumble because of his pride. Yeah. You remember, Jesus was the one that complimented him and told him that it exhorted him, says, Flesh and blood hadn't revealed that to you, but my Father which is in heaven. But see, that's what I say. It's the inner man in the uh, old nature that's at war. So this war that's going on, Christ says, I've overcome the world. I've overcome already. I've made this conquest. So that's why we have to let him fight the battle. But if that old man rise up, Peter says, this shall not be unto you. Now he's trying to instruct God, and that's when Jesus says, there are hindrance, your obstacle, get thee behind me, Satan. See, because he was trying to cause Christ to stumble, and we know Christ never stumbled because he completely followed God's word. 
That's why when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, nevertheless, thy will be done. We have to do it Christ's way, the way God's word said to it. The Amplified Version said, I mean, the Living Version says, if you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far, far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your heart quiet and at rest as you, as you trust in Christ Jesus. And I told you, that's a covenant of peace. He comes in, and God is a God of covenant. He's a covenantal God, and he makes those covenants. This is the new covenant that he made, that he talked about in the book of Jeremiah, that he took away all of these things and he established a new covenant where he wrote his laws upon our heart. Yes. Ezekiel talks about this covenant of peace. Ezekiel 34th chapter, the 24th verse says, I will make with them a covenant of peace, and I will cause the evil beast to cease out of the land, and they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. He's reversed the natural order. The line and lay down with the lamb. Mm-hmm. The beast, in other words, governments. He's not just talking about, he's not talking about animals here. In other words, governments. These will cease. He says, evil beasts will cease out of the land. In other words, there shall be no other governments. Satan is the God of this world. Yes. He's His government his created order is coming to an end. That's why the world has the end. Christ's government comes in, and that's one of the ones in the book of Isaiah that I told you to see that comparison. That was Isaiah, I think it was 7 and 9 or something like that, where it says, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and that the government would be upon his shoulders. The government is upon Isaiah 9 and 5. The government upon his shoulders is his government. This is the kingdom of God. This is the Davidic covenant that's coming about that he made with David. All of this comes about where it will be a human kingdom. In other words, God's kingdom here on earth. God's kingdom because as we pray, thy kingdom come. This is the messianic rule. And I told you, he was all of our Messiah. For he's, he's, he had sent, he says, sit thou in my right hand to have made thine enemies thine footstool. So we go rule and reign with Christ here on earth. Yeah. And it's going to be his government all over the earth. And we're going to go up to the mountain of the Lord to hear from the Lord. In other words, there will be central worship places. Yeah. That was the theme in the Old Testament of the tabernacle and the sanctuary. God makes central places of worship, the house churches and all of these where everybody has an opinion, an idea. No, he created us to be the church. And the church is the assembly of the living God. Our bodies are the temple of God. And so these people that are traveling the King's Highway that are coming up to hear the Lord, if they hear it in a train from a royal priesthood. They love the law. They delight in the law because the law is life. Those that don't come up and hear the word, their crops will fail. They will have problems in life because they are not attaining to all God had set forth for them to attain. They're disrupting their own peace. It's like the woman that's tearing down her own home. Uh, seek wisdom from God. If you seek, you remember I tell you, if you're lacking the wisdom and understanding, seek it from God. Proverbs 3.17 says, her ways, and that is wisdom ways. There's godly wisdom and there's earthly wisdom. The earthly wisdom is devilish, it's sensual. Whereas God's wisdom is heavenly wisdom. It's spiritual wisdom. It says her ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace, are ways of peace. Uh, the Amplified says her ways are highways of pleasantness and favor and all her paths are peace. Yes, yes, Lord. The yes. accomplishment of God through his word, through his spirit, by his spirit, 
that the Son came and presented unto us brings us all to completion and a fullness in Christ Jesus Amen. until he deliver up the kingdom to the Father. God, God ordains this. This is a peace that's ordained by God. Isaiah 26 and 12 says, Lord, thou will ordain peace for us. Thou also hast wrought all our works in us. And that's kind of, I don't know if a lot of us grasp that in the King James. Let me go back and read it in the Amplified. It says, Lord, you will establish peace for us. You will establish peace for us since you have also performed for us all that we have done. So nothing that we can glory in that we had done because the works, we were created for good works, but they are in Christ Jesus. We're being led by the Spirit of God and the Spirit working in us, as I said, both to will and to do. Unless God build a house, we're laboring in vain. So we have to work with that peace, with that inner calmness, that inner feeling and confidence that, as you like to say, God got this. God has it. Living Bible says, Lord, grant us peace for all we have and are has come from you. Everything comes from, we have nothing to glory in. It's, it's without him, we can do nothing. Uh, look like I cut and paste this one twice. Let's talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And as we go forward here, uh, it says, Romans 14 and 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace. And joy in the Holy Ghost. Through the Spirit is for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness. All his laws are what? Righteousness. That's what we're looking for. And he gives us, he imputes his righteousness to us. And that's what that fruitful work accomplishes, righteousness in Christ Jesus. We pull off the old man and put on Christ. It says, but the kingdom of God is, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Yes, Lord. The book of Galatians, the fifth chapter in the 22nd verse, amplified verse reads, but the fruit of the Spirit, the result of God's presence within us is love, that is unselfish concern for others, joy, that is, joy within, a joy the world cannot take it away. Peace, and not just external, but inner peace of mind, thought, and body, a totality of peace. Let me go back and discuss that about peace. Let me try to add that intro to this. Patience, and I, and I tell you about patience. Patience is not the ability to wait, but it's but how we act while waiting. You know, some people wait, but how are you waiting? Are you acting in a confident way without skittering and gym, anxiety and all fretting and all of these things? That's not part of the character God wants you to develop while waiting. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. The living reads, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. This is the kind of fruit that the Holy Spirit, if he's in control, if he's doing these things, he produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And here there is no conflict with Jewish laws. So we see here that if we're walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, you'll tell it by that tree by the fruit it's bearing. Yes. And every tree that the Father hadn't planted shall be hewn down at the root of the tree. In other words, they're going to be moved out, fretting out thyself because of evildoers. So go back and dwell on the promises of God. 
what he'll do for those that are his, the peace, the promises, the goodwill, the healing, and the joy, and the kindness. But also look at, fret not thyself because of evildoers. They shall be cut off. They shall be cast away like the chaff. They'd be blown away. Of all of, there's no rest to the wicked. There's no peace to the wicked. <laughs> This peace supports us under trials. John 14 and 27 says, Peace I leave leave with you. Uh, I think I double copied that one there. Uh, Okay, let me go back and try to give you some of what what, what the first recording missed. We started with Isaiah 57 and 19. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is for all, to him that is near, saith the Lord. And I will heal him. As I create the praise of his lips, under Amplified, it says, as I create the praise of his lips. So we're going to start speaking those things which become sound doctrine. We're going to start praising God and lifting him up. The words of our mouths are changed. In other words, as Peter would change when he got the Spirit, they noticed, they says, you can tell this man had been with Jesus because there was a certain boldness. There was a certain confidence in his speech. Mm-hmm. And when he says that, that man ought to fear God rather than obey God rather than man, this is not the cowering little wimp that said, denied three times that he knew Jesus. Mm-hmm. This was a man that was willing to die as he had stated earlier, but now spiritually he's there he spiritually feels and now he understands that his purpose and job is to feed jesus sheep is to feed the sheep of god feed the flock of god he told him that three times that's a pretty big emphasis there so that peter was willing to die feeding the sheep of god that's what we must do he gave us a commission he says go into all of the world Teaching and preaching the gospel, making disciples. That's our mission. That's what we're here to do. And we're created that gospel, that good news, bringing those glad tidings, making those disciples. It establishes us in the faith. Causes us to grow. I told you the definition of peace in the dictionary would be freedom from war, from harmony, concord, Agreement, calm, tranquility, serenity, quiet, undisturbed state of mind, absence of mental conflict, contentment, except of the one state in the absence of anxiety. We can't do those things that can't be that way if we're entangled in this world's affairs. You can't stop playing with your computer gadgets and the outside world as the even the technicians tell you sometime you need to just unplug. Sometime you don't get entangled in this world's affairs with the politics, with the churches and everything. Those battles are for God to fight. The battle is the Lord's. We're waiting for directions from him. We'll be further at peace if we're not worried about the calamities and the destruction in this world and be careful of what we do and say. It will, if you listen, that same dictionary, if you look at the list of antonyms, it's war, anxiety, disorder, disturbance, disruption, conflict, and commotion. Now, what happens is, all of that's going on in the nation, isn't it? Yes. Because he's taken away peace. If you look at the book of Zechariah, look at Revelation, you see a come a time that he'll remove peace. He'll remove the bands of peace, grace, and beauty. And that this time that's coming up on the earth, nation against nation. Ethnos, in other words, it's going to be racial tensions also. Not just Ireland is, is devolving to, into anarchy over there. Not just Russia against Ukraine, Israel against uh, the Hamas, seeing that and destroying the Philistine, the Philist, I mean the Palestinians, saying that they're trying to root out Hamas, 
people fighting in the Congo and in the Sudan. Not just that, but it will be racial wars. That's what's going on in the United States. Racial divides. But it's class war also. It's cultural war. It's social economic war. It's oppression. It's all kinds of things that's going on. The peace is being removed. It is frequently these settings of this quad that's being removed. Our freedoms, what they're tying at is the freedom. If you would look at the Freedom Caucus and the Christian Nationalists and some of these coalitions, what they're doing, they're destroying democracy. So if democracy, are they dismantling democracy, what has to happen, their form of government has to come in. National Christianity and what this nation, Christian advocates are pushing forth is Antichrist. It's another Jesus. It's a gospel of the non-converted. That's why when Jesus says, peace, peace, I give unto you. In other words, it's those that keep his word in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Because Paul says, if anybody preach another gospel, let him be anathema. Let him be accursed. Another gospel, another Jesus. That's why I say we don't know the Jesus of violence. We don't know the Jesus of oppression and hatred because this Jesus came to us saying, love one another, love your enemies. He given us peace, he says, but also he bring us forward. That sword divides those that are disobedient, those that Jesus becomes a stumbling block to. Now, they stumble at the word. When Jesus becomes a stumbling block, it's because they stumble at the word. That stumbling at the word is because of Balaam teachers. In other words, the doctrine of Balaam. I talked to you yesterday about the doctrine of Balaam, the way of Balaam, and the era of Balaam. One is in the book of Jude, I think. One is in the book of First or Second Peter. And the other one is in the book of Revelations. That's three causes that Balaam helped cause the people to fall. That's where we end this last days. And Jesus talked about false prophets, a doctrine in their end of being aware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And in this day and age, you notice on the internet, social media, and everywhere, and people having blogs and house churches and everything, these people coming up and it's a misinformation or disinformation but it's not the true teaching and gospel of God because it doesn't unite. And you remember I told you, peace unites. It brings the two into one. That stick of the rod that he told him in Ezekiel to hold these two rods together, that's Judah and Israel coming back together. Mm-hmm. Well, the wall of petition that he broke down was between Jew and Gentile. So there's that should be no division that should be growing of peace and harmony among God's people. That is, if they're coming out of the world. So this shalom, this shalom, it's a, usually main mostly for greeting or whatever, and I can't go over it just as I did before. But there are three words, and one we won't discuss because it was about the peace offerings. The other word that use peace, but shalom and sharash. Sharash, it means to hold one's peace, quiet, silent, rest, and a host of nuances, both uh, positive and negative, depending on the context. So sometimes when they use that word sharash, in other words, peace or be quiet, or be, it means the synonyms for that would mean be still, hold your peace. In other words, mm-hmm. Not say anything, uh, be silent, uh, be at rest, uh, different nuances to the word, but it's the context of the word. So that's why a lot of times the preacher or the teacher comes in and he delivers 
a text, but he keeps that text in the context and he tells you maybe that word is used in a lot of other places, but the nuance of that word, they've substituted a Greek, a Hebrew, or some other word, but it's not with the same meaning. As I told you, the word yay changed meanings. So here, this word has different nuances. And the third word, shalom. You remember I told you shalom. Uh, Though it is also generally translated as a single word like peace, rest, favor, safe, health, welfare, and prosperity. It has the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia states a basic meaning of totality of completeness, including fulfillment, maturity, soundness, and wholeness. This is the complete man. And that's why it says Jesus wants us in perfect peace. In other words, in complete harmony with him, at one with him. In other words, with all of the characteristics that is in every area. Because that's that's the way we should be living. Not by our ways and thoughts, but man shall live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So if we righteous living in righteousness, we know all of his laws. His laws is righteousness. That's the character of God. So if we're being made in the image of the new man, that second Adam, Jesus Christ, the new man, we're created. So we have to put to death the old man. Uh, which means the the word I told you irene with the Greek word e i r e n and it's Greek so I mean I'm not pronouncing it right but it implies for man's highest good when God says don't eat of the tree Satan came and caused Adam and Eve to stumble he deceived Eve but he was saying God's not looking out for your best interest. God's being selfish. He don't want you to be as God. You know, a lot of times people tell you things or do things, they're looking out for your best interest, your highest good. Is, as the, is it the Marines or the Army says, be all you can be? In other words, that's what teaching the Word of God, and that's one of the reasons I teach and preach, is I want you to be all God. I want the highest good for you. Just like a parent wants the most for his child. He wants the highest good for him. Well, that's why we know God's word is not for our detriment, but it's for our betterment. If God said don't, that don't is for a good reason. It would be a hindrance of us if we didn't don't when he say don't. And we should do when he say do. That's why Mary said, whatever he say do, do it. Don't fear the consequences in the situation because we're walking by faith. In other words, we're trusting him. We're trusting his word. That's where our peace comes in. Uh, When applied to tranquility, a person's mind, even in the midst of trouble, it suggests that the person is being blessed with fullness or that his character is maturing into the image of God who is perfect. So that peace that he gives unto us, the situation and what we're going to, it's great peace, a greater peace. It says, peace, peace, the great subject of thanksgiving would be peace. He says, the fruit of our lips, where we was the fruit of our lips bringing forth this, I create the fruit of the lips so that what we say flourish. He told Peter, how would you like to have what you say? So as we, these obstacles are being removed and we praise and bring forth thanksgiving and praise to God out of our mouths. Yes. That's what he said. If you believe upon him, as the scriptures has said, out of our belly would flow rivers of living water. And I went through there where the peace flows like rivers of living water. Yes. So what you give to others would be speaking good. You wouldn't speak, shouldn't come out of that faucet sour and bitter bitter water and then sweet water, right. cold and hot. It has to be one way. Mm-hmm. That's what holiness is, purity. Yes. 
It's as God is. A double-minded, an unstable man, we can't receive anything from God with that. If, if we ask God, we must be asking single-mindedness. And uh, so we're coming up to where I was, the, the introduction that was left. But on this, the introduction is kind of at the back. But that word peace referred to a primary reference to sensation of the calamities which they were going through in Babylon would cease. And if you studied Jeremiah, Jeremiah realized it was after 70 years they were going to return from captivity. He studied that in the writings of Jeremiah. Daniel studied that in the writings of Jeremiah. So God's word had already gave, given them promise and hope, but that they would be there 70 years. So that 70 years to us, we have to look at the great tribulation. We have to look at all these things. We will go through the great tribulation. Seven is a number of completion and the number of perfect. So the trials, the things that's coming up on the earth is to try us. The book of Corinthians tells us that we will be tried by fire. Whether it will come be realized whether we were building with wood, stubble, or hay. It is necessary for the trying of our faith. So we know we will be tried. We see what Job went through. So we, how would we say, we prepare by walking in God's word and that he's going to keep us during that hour of tribulation. He's going to keep us through those trials and tribulations. He'll give us his peace. Daniel was at peace in the lion's den. Daniel went to sleep in the lion's den. The Hebrew boys was at peace going in the fight. First, he says, now they wasn't scared in fearfulness. He says, you can throw us in the fire because we're not going to bow, we're not going to bend, we're not going to worship. Whether God delivers us or not, we're still going to obey what God tells us to do. They wasn't scared to go in the fire. They still had the peace of God. So we keep the peace of God and that great peace that he gives us. Hopefully Wednesday night this comes together better than what I miscommunicated today at the beginning. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this afternoon, listening at your word, Lord God, 